Today we hear from Keith Tuma. He's been lighting it up on the bass tournament scene, and he's got a lot more big events to come. And since we're talking about bass, we ask the aquatic biologist why we're getting more and more smallmouth bass in our neck of the woods. It's all coming up. Welcome to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Hey, we're checking in with Keith Tuma, which means, of course, it's Tuma time. But Keith, I, you know, I, I'm coming up with a new name for you. The way you guys keep, you are. yeah, the way you guys keep winning tournaments, uh, I, I'm thinking the Tuminator is is maybe the way to go. Well, that one works for me as well, I guess. <laughs> First of all, good morning, Kev, and thank you for having me back on the show. It's a great, it's a pleasure to be here. How's that? That's that's great. It's always great to have you on, Keith. And of course, um, you know, uh, Mandy, a uh, good friend of yours, uh, keeps bragging you up and says, you know, telling me you got to get him back on because he had another great tournament, and uh, so here we are. Uh, okay. you, you find yourself headed to a, a big, big event at the uh, at the end of the year here because of uh, of what happened on Woman Lake. So, give us the sure. story. You want me to walk you through the whole deal? Or? Please do. I'm I'm still a little confused. So, yeah, you can walk me through the deal and how it all works. <laughs> all right. Well, my partner, my my team tournament partner, Andy Walls, and myself, uh, we fished the Minnesota Bass Nation, the MNBN tournaments this year. There's four qualifying tournaments. We started off on the river, then we went to Gull Lake. And then, shoot, I can't remember where we went after that because I'm, well, in a little bit of a daze. And then we <laughs> we, we ended up, the fourth one was on, uh, oh, we were on Pokegamo. That's what the third one was. And then uh, we went to Woman Lake. Um, we were sitting pretty decent in points uh, leading after the three events. And we knew we needed a really good tournament on uh, Woman in order to solidify our team of the year status. And, uh, well, it was, we had a lot of things in our favor. We pre-fished one day a week before the tournament. We put a solid six hours out there. Okay. Found uh, found a little deal that they were keying in on and uh, decided to just roll the dice and go with it. Uh, the wind was blowing about 25 mile an hour out of the southwest that morning, or actually all that day, which was pretty fun. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, uh, it all came together. The other thing we had going for us, it was Andy's birthday, August 15th. It... Uh, <laughs> it, it that we had birthday mojo, dude. I mean, there's, uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's a pretty that's a pretty uh, tough uh, deck to be stacked against, I guess, if you will. <laughs> but so yeah, we did rather well. Uh, we brought in uh, our five best bass, uh, all smallmouth, and uh, we had 27 pounds for the five of them. A little over 27 pounds, actually. And Andy got his personal best um, during a tournament, which is crazy. It uh, weighed six and three quarter pounds. Wow! So yeah, that was uh, that was quite a feat as well. There's a funny story when you want to get back into that. We can uh, I can share that story with you. Uh, things okay. like that just don't happen, but more or less called it. So really, <laughs> you want me to just go right in? Yeah, it? do it. 
well, let's do it, dang it. <laughs> We're halfway through the day. It's probably 1 o'clock, and Andy's in, he's in the back of the boat. I'm in the front. We're bucking, you know, three-foot three waves or whatever and a lot of breeze. And he's like, hey, dude, what do you think it's going to take for big bass today? And I paused for a second. He makes a cast. I said, somebody's going to come in with one over six pounds. As soon as I got the word six pounds out of my mouth, he sets the hook and he goes, here it is. <laughs> I was like, you got to be kidding me. He's like, no, it's a big one. I said, all right. So I can put my rod down, go back there with the net. We're allowed to use nets in the team tournament. And uh, sure enough, this thing comes up and I got, caught a glimpse at it. I was like, are you sure that's a bass? I mean, it's big. He's like, yeah, dude, it's a bass. I was like, all right. So it turned sideways. Like, oh boy, it is. In the net it went. And uh, that was our six and three quarter. That's... <laughs> it was it was pretty cool. <laughs> that is and we didn't know what to do at that point. I mean, our smallest bass in the live well at that point was four pounds, 10 ounces. And our biggest was six and three quarter. And we had a whole array of them in between. So we fished for probably another half hour, 45 minutes. And uh, I upgraded another. I got rid of the 410 with a five, five even. And uh, we didn't know what to do. So we went in, uh, went in an hour early and sat by the, uh, by the takeoff and uh, waited for the tournament to end. <laughs> <laughs> just just making sure that we got back in time because we knew we had a lot on the line and we knew we had a pretty decent bag. <laughs> you did have a pretty decent bag. That's a, that's a really incredible average uh, uh, amount of smallmouth for northern Minnesota waters. For northern Minnesota and also, well, shoot for anywhere for that fact, mm-hmm. but uh, for middle of the summer too. Uh, generally, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the big bags show in the spring when, when the fish are a little bit more easy to target or locate. Um, pre-spawn, it could be done. Uh, generally spawning tournaments, there's some healthy, healthy bags that are brought in, but, uh, yeah, for 27, for five fish in the middle of the summer in adverse conditions, it was pretty insane. Wow. And the other cool thing about that tournament, 15 bags over 20 pounds. Really? Day. Wow. Yes, sir. The lake really showed. Um, then plus there was a lot of 19 pound bags, 18 pound bags. Yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. Three fish right at or over six pounds for the 50-boat field. On Woman Lake? On Woman Lake. I think there's going to be a lot more people fishing bass on Woman Lake now. There probably will. Word is out. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a phenomenal fishery. It really is. And it's a super healthy lake. The fish aren't overly long, but poof, they're stout. (laughs) Yeah. Our six and three-quarter was maybe 20 and a half inches. Is that right? Wow. Yeah, it was uh, just a football. (laughs) <laughs> so what does that mean for you guys? I know that uh, that you had a great run this summer, and so that means more action for you. That means we got qualified for one last tournament uh, for the uh, for the Bass Nation, and uh, by taking Team of the Year this year in the Minnesota Bass Nation, we got qualified for a trip to Eufaula, Alabama, for the uh, Bassmaster Team Championship in December. Wow. So, yeah, so we're going to go down there, and uh, the grand prize at that deal, I mean, <laughs> for the team deal to win that, there's there's a substantial amount of money on the line. I think it's $20,000 to win, which is awesome. But then they they take the top three teams, and they separate you, so you fish individually for the next two days. And the uh, grand prize there is a, is a, a birth in the Bassmaster Classic for 2022. Okay. Which, yeah, that uh, that's the shiny carrot at the end of the stick right there. <laughs> So have you have you made the Bassmaster before? The the team tri- the team championship? Uh, no, I mean, have you ever qualified for the individual Bassmaster Classic? I mean, 
for the classic, I am actually already qualified. Oh, that's uh, right. When I, <laughs> when I won the Harris Chain on my first Open this year, uh, that qualified me for a spot in the in the Bassmaster Classic in 2022. I was the first qualifier. So here, I'm going to set this up and probably jinx it, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to say it. Yeah. Andy and I have a plan. Your listeners are smart people. They can put together what we're thinking. But the, <laughs> Bass, the, the team championship decides, determines the very last spot for the Bassmaster Classic. So connect the dots. That's our plan if gotcha. we can do well. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I, I think there's a pretty good chance you can do well. You seem to do well uh, quite, quite frequently. Um, it's been a great run for you this summer. So, I have no complaints. It's been absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. Um, you know, it's been a lot of hard work, too. There's been some some uh, trying times, but uh, with a positive attitude and uh, some patience and, uh, yeah, I guess just a positive attitude. A uh, guy tends to uh, come out on top occasionally, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you and Andy been uh, fishing together? Oh, shoot. He and I were trying to figure that out the other day, too. Um I think it's been about five or six years now that he and I have been partnered up, and we've done pretty darn good together. We've got a, a good dynamic in the boat. Um, we can bounce things off of each other, ideas and whatnot, spots, areas, and uh, we're not afraid to, to, to abandon what we thought was going to work and go uh, try something different. Um, what, what, or when did you first meet, and what made you decide you wanted to fish together? Oh, shoot. I've fished against Andy for a number of years prior to us teaming up, and uh, I don't know. A, a mutual friend of ours said that uh, I should probably give give Andy a, a chance, or give, give, he should give me a chance. Everyone <laughs> say we should team up together. How's that? Okay. And uh, just start fishing together. So I called him up that spring, and we, uh, we entered in a, a tournament series up here, and... Uh, kind of dominated the dang thing i'm not gonna lie <laughs> we just uh, we got along right away our fishing styles are different enough to where we can do somewhat different things but similar enough to where we can capitalize when that uh when that bite is in our favor so obviously you've had a lot of success in the tournament realm um yeah what is it about your your style of fishing that seems to help you do well there shoot dude i don't know what i'm doing so different <laughs> <laughs> I uh I really don't. Uh whether it's just getting away from a crowd or you know just finding off the wall things that aren't uh they're not high percentage areas as far as not finding a ton of fish but uh trying to key in on the uh on on the bigger fish, fewer bites but bigger fish, maybe that's that's more what I've got going on or we've got going on. I I'm, I'm not certain. I uh I don't want to overthink it. We just go fishing, we have fun, we uh try and keep things light and and uh, the mood light, and then we try and uh, also, you know, keep that positive energy flowing. So, and birthday mojo, dude. If that guy could have more birthdays, we'd be uh, <laughs> we'd be really dangerous. <laughs> so, do you do you each have a role on the team, or you're both just throwing out uh, baits, looking to catch fish? Uh, we're both constantly thinking and picking apart the lake or the areas that we're fishing as we're doing it. Um, whether I'm starting on the edge of a weed line and Andy's flipping in um, to heavier cover, or whether we're both topwater fishing, I'll be doing one style. He'll be doing something just a little bit different, and then the we just let the fish tell us what they're what they're on at that particular time, okay. and then we just adjust accordingly. Got a lot more to cover with Keith Tuma later on in the show, but up next, Dr. Andrew Hapes from Bemidji State University's Aquatic Biology Department is posed this question. Why are we getting more and more smallmouth bass in Paul Bunyan country? 
You're listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, presented by Northland Fishing Tackle. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service. Are you looking to plan a fishing trip? Look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is your year-round destination for walleyes, pike, muskie, bass, perch, crappie, panfish, and more. With over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji, come take a cast of becoming a fishing legend. While you're on your fishing adventure, come take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Discover the first city on the Mississippi... Bemidji, one step further. Welcome back to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Ask the aquatic biologist. It is time to ask the aquatic biologist, Dr. Andrew Hafes, another tough question. Uh, I think this one might have actually been mine. Um, so smallmouth bass, it, it, it's definitive. They are increasing in number in a lot of our area lakes. Leech Lake. Um, many of them up here in the turtle chain, they're seeing more and more smallmouth bass. Um, the, the question is, why did smallmouth bass appear in our lakes all of a sudden? Is it due to climate change? And if it is due to climate change, uh, is it good or bad that we have smallmouth bass up here now? Uh, great question, Kevin. Um, the three things that I can think of that could possibly be influencing uh, smallmouth bass densities the most would be, like you mentioned, climate change. Uh, you know, in the past, since I've been here at BSU, in the past 10 years, I think we've had some of the earliest ice out dates and some of the latest ice out dates. It's been really interesting. I know that we're in the midst of just this really wicked, warm, dry summer, but we've also had some of the coldest winters that I've that we've had since I've been here as well on record. And so yeah. it's almost like it's becoming more variable, not necessarily just warmer. Yeah. So that one's really tough for me to kind of tease out that it would just be things warming up. Uh, um, the other two that I can possibly think of would be zebra mussels in our area lakes that increases water clarity, right? And bass tend to do better in clear water conditions and compared to turbid water conditions. Okay. And then the third one would be the rusty crayfish populations around here. So two invasives and then climate change are the three things that I see could be influencing smallmouth bass densities. Smallmouth bass really like eating crayfish. They like clear water and they probably like the warmer water condition in comparison uh, you know, to some of the other species. So all three could be potentially uh, helping the smallmouth bass densities in comparison to some of the other fish populations around here. Now the next question is how did they get here to begin with? I they were not here before. It, well, are you sure about that, Kevin? Well, I'm not 100% <laughs> sure. I, I haven't checked every corner of the lake. That's right. But I you never, know, you know, we never heard about it that's, until that's the last 10 to 15 years. I mean, fish are really good at swimming through waterways, any kind of ditches and things like that that are present. And uh, I would probably suspect that most of these lakes that you're experiencing more and more smallmouth bass being captured in, they were probably there just in small, small densities. Okay. Right. Um, a really interesting example of, of something that I saw related to this topic was my time in Arkansas. They got zebra mussels in a, um, a lake that was right next to campus. And what happened in that lake is that the water cleared up substantially, and that allowed vegetation near the shore to increase. And as a result, the largemouth bass population actually exploded and got better. And that's really what they like fishing for down there in Arkansas was largemouth bass. So I know it's not the exact same species, but smallmouth might... Uh, have a kind of a similar response to the, the water clearing up. Okay. So. Now, is that in your mind 
a positive or a negative. I mean, from a, from a bass angler's perspective, they love having more smallmouth because they're fun to catch. That's a fact. But what about for lake health, things like that? Does it, does it matter which kind of bass are in there? Yeah, I think this is a loaded question. You setting me up here? No. <laughs> <laughs> sure a region full of walleye fishermen, right? So, yeah. uh, that is all public opinion. Right? In terms of lake health and that, I think the ecosystems are kind of going to go with the flow, right? And having smallmouth bass in a lake in comparison to walleye doesn't, in my mind, make one lake healthier or not than the other. Uh, the issue is that we really have a lot of people that are very passionate about walleye fishing. Mm-hmm. in this region and if the lakes are shifting from uh, walleye to smallmouth bass you know i don't really want to maybe i shouldn't say this but Moax is the one that this you know it could be a trophy smallmouth bass fishery probably yeah and is it really a walleye fishery anymore i don't well they you know what's gonna happen 100 years from now right, on that so. right right i mean most of the lakes that have smallmouth in them that have had walleye in the past still seem to be really strong, healthy walleye populations sure. as well. Um, but, yeah, there is only so much room in a lake, so who knows? Right. You know, and eventually in, in these systems, we're just going to have to embrace what the, the ecosystem is, is doing. We can't change certain aspects of it to the point where you're going to shift entire fisheries from one fish species to another. That's just uh, you're fighting an uphill battle there, right? So... Uh, Embrace what's working would be my message, and and if mm-hmm. the smallmouth is what's going to be in Lake Bemidji a hundred years from now instead of walleye, I know a lot mm-hmm. of people won't want to hear that, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's what's going to happen. Right? No, but. and quite frankly, everybody who's hearing this isn't going to be here a hundred years from now, so the next <laughs> the next generations will get used to it. I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> well, yes. Yes, they'll they'll say I heard of this fish called the walleye that used to be in this lake years ago. Yeah, I I, I you know it's hard for me to imagine the day when smallmouth overtakes me too. walleyes me too. in Lake Bemidji for sure. Me too, yeah. and that, maybe that wasn't a good analogy. I know what you're trying to say though. Yeah. The, the point of the whole discussion is that there are three things, and probably more than that, that are changing massively in these ecosystems. Right, with the climate fluctuations, climate change. Uh, the addition of these invasive species and ecosystems are going to shift as a result and that's probably what you're seeing in some of these situations well i mean we have definitely seen short-term shifts in ecosystems for sure. you know lake winnie for example fish aren't where they used to be because the water is not stained anymore that's right and that's so. that's so that's just one short-term example right. uh, that we're seeing kind of all over the place now yeah well, Andy, as always, good stuff. Thanks for being here. All right, Andy, that was a loaded question for me. We got into some weeds there. So. Uh, you did pretty well. Okay. You, you could run for office, maybe. I don't know about that. <laughs> I'd vote for him. It's Tuma time. We're talking with Keith Tuma, outstanding competitive bass angler in Paul Bunyan country. I think it's interesting, um, you know, there's... There's the guide mentality where you've got to find fish. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to find big fish. You've just got to find action for your clients. That's the way you make your money. So if you're not in that mode and you're, you know, it's a lot easier to maybe concentrate on, I've got to find big fish uh, because, you know, you're not, you're not just out looking for fish every day of the year. Correct. We definitely try and take the approach where there's times, though, don't get me wrong, depending on the lake, where we need to find just a school of fish get a solid limit in the boat and then then the then the pressure is technically kind of off a little bit we've got a decent bag mm. now we just need to go find one or two better than average fish 
Right. And so then that hopefully we have enough time in the day to uh, allow us to go head hunting. <laughs> so you have any more tournaments between now and the biggie in uh, in December? Well, it's funny that you mentioned that. I'm actually getting ready as we speak. Well, I was getting ready before we spoke, and now I'm taking a break to talk with you, but uh, I'm getting tackle and rod sorted. Uh, I leave pretty soon for Lake Norman in North Carolina for my final Southern Open. What's I've never been there, so I'm going to oh, get a okay. extra practice time in. <laughs> I have no idea what to expect, so I'd, I'm going to have a truck full of rods and baits and what I think that they're going to they're going to want to bite, and if that doesn't work, well, darn it, there's got to be local bait shops out there where I can pick up something fun. So when you uh, when you're getting ready for a tournament like this in a place you've never been before, I mean, how much time do you spend on the internet trying to find out everything you need to know? Well, um, I do a little bit of the majority of my research is going to be Google Earth, and I'm looking at the lay of the lake, uh, different um, like main lake points. You know, the satellite imagery on Google Earth is pretty darn helpful when it comes to that. And is, is it going to help me break down a lake? Not really, but it's going to give me areas to key in on. And so that's where I spend the majority of my time. I will look at some past results, um, uh, past tournament results, things like that, to try and get an idea of of what, uh, what normal weights are taking uh, for the given lake. But... Uh, what is it? What's the old saying? And oh my Jesus, I can't think of it right now. <laughs> it's like uh, past performance is not indicative of future results type of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The great so, disclaimer. <laughs> right. So anyway, just kind of get an idea, get familiar, and then I really won't be able to break it down until I get on the water, drive around. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot of a lot of scanning, a lot of imaging, uh, side imaging. Um, you know, just looking for certain key structure pieces, and hopefully the fish are on it. And, uh, you know, I'll test the waters a little bit, try not to catch too terribly many, but, uh, yeah, just uh, see how it shakes out at that point. I won't really know till I get there type of thing. Okay, yeah, it's interesting. I just find this stuff fascinating. I also sure. find what, what I really find interesting is, is, is variations, and I'm kind of curious, uh, as a guy who has fished bass uh on waters all over this nation. What's the biggest difference between fishing up here and, and fishing in some of these southern waters? Oh, well, with the exception of Florida, a little bit in Texas, Alabama, uh, those states have got grass lakes as well. Uh, but the majority of the, the other ones that I've been to, they're, they're like highland reservoirs. Um, so there are a lot of rock lakes, um, which means that we don't they don't have the, uh, the grass um, that, that we do up here. So it tends to push the fish, move the fish um, to different areas. Uh, the other thing that they have going on down there is their forage. Uh, a lot of shad based lates, um, threadfin shad, uh, the uh, shoot, I can't think of the other ones, just regular dang American shad, Tennessee shad, there's oh. all kinds of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> just shad. Yeah. So the shad do really weird things compared to like our, our shiners and perch up here. I mean, they're similar, but different. They'll tend to hang out a little deeper main lake points, and then in the fall, I guess they move back towards the creeks, the back of the creeks, and they start their their fall spawn. So the fish tend to follow them around. So okay. yeah, just uh, the the uh, the other thing, the lakes down there are a lot bigger. Uh, they're spread out. Uh, the long, skinny, uh, you know, bigger bigger area lake uh, main lake areas, but then they've got creek arms that run off for miles, and there's just so much darn fishable water. And, uh, yeah, just to be able to 
to, to break down that lake or to break down a new lake, you just got to start small things small. Um, pick an area and pick it apart and then expand from there. Is there a difference in, in fish size? I mean, I know, you know, you always hear about the fact we, we have a, a shorter growing season up here. We do, we do have a shorter growing season up here. Uh, the fish down south, uh, they tend to get, as far as sheer size, they will get bigger. Uh, it's a different strain of bass down there as well. Um, you know, the other thing that they've got down there is spotted bass, which they're kind of like a mix between a smallmouth and a largemouth. Um, super aggressive. They're schooling fish. Uh, just a, a ton of fun to uh, to to catch. Oh, and uh, just, yeah, it's, uh, but the size for the southern fish, I would say definitely a lot larger than what we have up here. Okay. Uh, the northern strain fish like we have up here, um, numbers. We've got uh, just incredible numbers of fish up here. And you know, while they're not going to get as big, we catch a pile of them. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's not uncommon to go out and have a 40, 50 fish day if you're on them or more. Whereas down south, uh, ten to twelve, fifteen, sometimes twenty fish day is uh, is a really really stellar day. I mean, yeah. they do they do get into them a lot heavier than that at times, but uh, it's not as frequent as our northern strain fish. A lot of people in tell my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people tell me that our fish are feistier. Do you find that to be the case? Whew. Well, it depends. If you get an eight pound bass or bigger <laughs> on the end of your line. Uh, they're, they're, they put up a hell of a battle. They don't want to come in the boat. <laughs> yeah. you know, they're not happy about being hooked. But I would say sheer size, like a three-pounder down south versus a three-pounder up here, yeah, it's going to fight a heck of a lot harder. The northern strain bass will. Okay. Uh, whether it's the colder water or the uh, you know the, the fact that they're in rivers bucking current all the time and you know just happen to be stronger, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I would say our fish are a lot feistier. Well, if we're going to go out fishing uh, here in uh, Paul Bunyan country, whether it be the Bemidji area, the Brainerd area, the Alec area, um, what are the bass doing right now? They're chewing. <laughs> <laughs> I was out this past weekend with my daughter and uh, a couple other very special people to me, and we put the smackdown on them. Um, the bass are definitely starting to get into that fall pattern. Uh, we're through the dog days of summer now. The nights are getting a little cooler, which makes the mornings a little cooler, which is bringing the water temperature down. Also, the days are getting a little shorter, so the fish know, hey, we got to stock up before the uh, before the lake gets capped with ice. And uh, they are starting; they're starting to group up. Um, you'll find them on weed lines. You'll find them on flats. Um, you'll find them in shallow cover still. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's fun. Just go out, have fun fishing, uh, try some things. I said, I think I say this every single time. Just go experiment. You never know what you're going to be able to catch them on. I mean, if you get one thing stuck in your head, uh, you may or may not uh, be successful. But it depends on your level of success. If it's one bite you're going after, you did a great job. If it's 30, well, <laughs> you may have to experiment a little bit. I think the other cool thing about bass fishing is uh, you don't have to rely on the, the big famous bodies of water that have tons of people on them. I mean, you could pick out pretty much any 30 to 100-acre lake in minnesota chances are pretty good there's some bass in there you know if you if you dig a hole in the backyard and let it fill up with rain chances are there might be bass (laughs) (laughs) if we could ever get some rain i mean lately we've been doing good yeah we're getting there (laughs) uh but yeah no there's there's so many different little lakes around that are going to be less pressured and you know just less frequented by the by the masses and those lakes are super fun 
Um, and you'd be surprised at what uh, what actually lurks beneath the beneath the surface in those lakes. You know what I love about those lakes too is uh, you know if you just I mean you're you're literally in many of those in the middle of a, a state or national forest getting away from it all and you, you get to see a little more wildlife and just some real peace and quiet until the bass decide to go crazy and then uh, it's it, then it's a great change of pace but it's those are just fun unique truly Minnesota experiences. I agree with you 100. percent You know, being out in uh, in northern Minnesota um, when it's when it's peaceful, heck, even when it's not peaceful, you're still out in northern Minnesota. You're in country that uh, not a lot of people get to experience, and we are extremely fortunate up here to live where we do. Well, Keith, if we want to keep tabs on what's going on in your world on these upcoming tournaments, how do we do that? Oh my goodness! Well, we're just going to have to have me on your show. Well, okay, that's <laughs> that's doable. I'm a little bit on social media, but not too terribly much. Um, there's some stuff starting to come out uh, via Facebook and some other some other things like that. But uh, for the most part, I think we just touch base here every once in a while and uh, make it fun for everybody. And I think, uh, obviously, Bassmaster, uh, uh, during the actual tournaments, uh, do a very good job of, of covering and keeping everybody updated, so you can always go check their website out. Absolutely. There's some, there's some good articles in Bassmaster. Um, plus, the cool thing about these, this last open tournament, and hopefully I get to make the final day, but uh, there's going to be live coverage for the entire uh, final day on the, the remaining three, I think it's actually it's four, um, Bassmaster Open. Uh, okay. There's only one southern left, but I think there's two centrals and then one northern, or the other way around. The one got uh, postponed from this spring to the, this fall, so they're going to try and jam them all in. But, yeah, definitely uh, they're going to have live coverage on the final days. All right. So that's always fun to watch. Cool. Any last words before we wrap it up this time around? Well, thank you just very much, for again, for having me on your show. Uh, appreciate all the listeners tuning in. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk to you again. We'll uh, maybe check in after after my uh, my open tournament and a little bit before the uh, the December tournament. We'll and do it. That sets up the stage for talking in December, too. Okay. Yeah, we got it. All right. It's Tuma time. He's the Tuminator, Keith Tuma. Hey, as always, Keith, thanks for the time today. Thank you, Kev. I appreciate it. Well, as good a year as this has been for Keith and his tournaments, I can't imagine that anybody will ever top the day that Adam Rasmussen had on Pelican Lake in Orr, Minnesota, a couple weeks ago. Absolutely shattering the record books. We'll have all the details from Adam on our next show, plus our Lake of the Week. But that's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Thank you for joining us. Now we're going fishing for Banyan Country.